0: Happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I am Steven Serta. Busy week ahead of the Chiefs' Week 3 matchup against the Chicago Bears. We'll start things off with the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, discussing their marinated takeaways from the Week 2 win in Jacksonville. After that, it's the Out of Structure podcast, highlighting Chris Jones' dominant debut and the Chiefs' run game. After that, it's the Great British Chiefs Show, taking our first deep dive at the Chicago Bears. Then we'll take a quick timeout. When we get back, we'll catch up with Chiefs coast-to-coast, giving us a little bit more game preview and the busy, kind of awful week for this Chicago Bears team. After that, we'll wrap things up with Show and BK, discussing what the Chiefs need to do when they have the ball on Sunday to make sure they leave Arrowhead Stadium with the win. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week.
1: Well, I'm going to let this marinate.
2: You know, let that one marinate, and then we can circle back.
3: Adapt. React.
2: readapt. It takes time. It takes years.
0: <laughs> That's the takeaway.
2: Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's show, we had our discussion on Andy Reid's press conference. We had some breaking news, which is rare for the Arrowhead Pride Editor's show, as we record on 1.30 on Mondays. But look... Uh, you never know right here uh, at ArrowheadPride.com. Let's knock out these marinated takeaways so we can make sure we get our articles up on this Patrick Mahomes thing John. Uh, maybe a little bit of a, a speed round of marinated takeaways. We'll, 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 let, we'll let you start. Uh, what did you take away from yesterday's game? Well, there was another part of the game um, that actually ended
4: with the, uh, the thing I mentioned earlier um, where the Chiefs, got the ball after uh, uh, making Jacksonville, give it up on downs that I thought was one of the most bizarre uh, sequences of plays I have ever seen in an NFL game. It's hard to, f- to look this up. And if it was easier, maybe a little easier, I might've spent some time this morning looking at it, but I sure can't remember too many uh, circumstances where there were four fumbles, including three turnovers in five plays over a minute and 16 seconds. And that's what happened uh, with about 11 minutes left in the, in the uh, uh, second quarter of the game. I mean, that was just a crazy sequence.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: And, I, and I'll get to this on my other point. Uh, but I, I think that maybe both teams didn't come into this game and play as well as they wanted to. I think a lot depends on you know which team is you, which team you're a fan of over what really happened in yesterday's
2: game but we'll we'll get to that we'll get to that more in a minute yeah and there there is such passion that comes from a turnover and it was yeah. crazy because in in the game and as you're watching it as turnovers are happening your team recovers you suddenly think oh they we got this under control and then when your team you know ends up given the football away, you start to have that panicky feeling. I think especially in the side of the chiefs who didn't come away with the win last week, Jacksonville was able to win their first game. So I think you were staring the barrel of Owen two uh, down the barrel of Owen two. And I, I, I agree with you. And there's a lot of emotion I think that goes into a sequence like that. And it goes to, you know, the, the football is not round. Right. So that goes to just the idea of like, there are, there is a certain aspect of anything can happen. And I think that was a, a wild sequence. Certainly.
0: I, I think line. I wrote
4: that down. I think I wrote that down wrong, actually, that it, it wasn't four fumbles. It was three fumbles and an interception. So you, those of you who are yeah, getting ready to get up to me difference. on
2: Twitter, you know, I, I did realize <laughs> I did it wrong. So but people, it was still a crazy people, sequence. <laughs> people think that Chiefs Twitter is 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 wild. And there's, you know, I think the craziest Twitter and the most active Twitter is correction Twitter. You make one oh, yeah. spelling. You make one spelling yeah. mistake. You make one fact <laughs> mistake. You are going to get tweets, and it is not going to take long for these teams to do it. Uh, my marinated takeaways: I'm going to knock out two right here. So I I, I teased it in the last segment. It has to do with Jawan Taylor, and and my my marinated takeaway when it comes to just Jawan Taylor in general is that like none of our takes matter about this. They gave him four years, sixty million dollars. It has to work. Like it's not like he you mm-hmm. know he maybe was benched for a few plays. This idea that all of a sudden like. They're going to have to you know, pivot from Jawan Taylor, and I, you know, I and Price was writing an article. I, I believe we're going to post it later this afternoon on on Jawan Taylor, or maybe tomorrow. Just pretty good blocker. It's just getting a little heady when it comes to this whole situation with Thursday night football, and of course, getting called for false starts. And it seemed like his emotions were running high. It wasn't just false starts yesterday. There was a number of holding calls. It was two and three plays that ended up getting him benched. And I just, I wondered why we could we even discuss just in in the scope of he is definitely a starting offensive lineman for the next two or three years even if he were to struggle mightily just because of the commitment Mm -hmm. and the monetary commitment matters and and i i just think about that and then now this is the other side of it that being said and i guess even this mahomes restructure sort of makes you think about it right like after watching the game that Chris Jones had, I understand and I I do feel that in, in the negotiation, he might have made a mistake by demanding a certain number. However, if you're going to demand a certain number and come back and get these incentives and really not agree to what was a pretty nice offer from the Chiefs for 24 and 25 for 27.5 mil, and you're going to say, no, I deserve the 30, then you better look like the way he did. And mm-hmm. I just wonder... Yeah if there may have been in these two, my two combined marinated takeaways, I know the chiefs really listen to these and and weigh them heavily, but (laughs) was there some buyer's remorse in committing as much as they did to Taylor uh, and not being able to get to a ridiculous Jones number? Because I understand Jones is 29. I understand the chiefs have never wanted to pay over or, or I should say overpay a player at that age, but man, he looked like he could not only be a, a force all year for the Chiefs in, in this year, but, man, I, it didn't seem like he's going to be slowed down the next year or two just to pace, based upon. And, and, look, the season's long, uh, but I just I wonder as these two situations are happening, someone they did pay a lot of money to, someone they ended up choosing not to commit to, and I think maybe in a sense as a result of what they committed to the other player, just bringing up the, the swing of things. And I wonder if, if there was some slight regret as to wh- the way things have certainly um, panned out early on in this season here.
4: Well, there certainly wasn't any hint of regret in what Andy Reed said about Jawan Taylor. No, he sounded right. like, yeah, this is just, you know, this is just a guy in a weird situation and he made the best of it, but he's a good player. He's a smart player. Well, that's just exactly, that's the pantheon of Andy, Andy Reed, uh, compliments there he's a smart player and a good football player uh, I, I didn't get any sense that the chiefs feel that way and i think it's you know this is what people do they see a, a game where something bad happens to a player and they immediately mm-hmm. want to project that over the entire career of the player and that's especially easy to do when the player is going to make 80 dollars 80 million dollars over that four-year career with the team but you know This is his second game with the team, and he was playing against a team that knows him well and would know how to take advantage of him more than any other team in the NFL. So I think you have to remember that when you get yourself worked up about what happened with Jawan Taylor on Sunday afternoon. Um, You know, the Jaguars are no slouch. Doug Peterson is no slouch as a coach, and I think they knew exactly what to do to get, the most they could out of Jawan Taylor's presence on the other side of the line. I think he's going to end up being fine and
2: we won't care about this so much Yeah, and, over time. And I think it's, I think it's worth saying too, like when the chiefs go and get somebody in free agency and pay that much, it's usually mm-hmm. someone they believe in like a lot. You saw that with Tyron right. Matthews. You saw with Justin Reed. You saw with Jawan Taylor. So even in this situation, it's kind of a weird situation to start the year. I'm I'm it's not, when I bring it, this up, it's not like I am I myself think, hey, the Chiefs made a mistake. But I wonder if some of those thoughts are just out there when you see that they mm-hmm. weren't able to pay Chris Jones and yeah. he had the game he did and they did pay Jawan Taylor and he had the game that he did.
4: All right, John. Certainly, uh, they're,
2: they're out there outside of the team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, exactly. All right, John, what's your next
4: uh, marinated takeaway? Well, I'd like to know what's going on with Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson. Uh, you know, after the first game, we thought, oh, Joshua Williams has landed the job, which is what Dave Merritt said they wanted, was for one of these guys to step up and take that that uh, slot cornerback job. And lo and behold, uh, in the first game, Josh Williams got all the snaps as the slot cornerback in that game. And then yesterday, Josh Williams got a chunk of them and Jalen Watson got a chunk of them. So are we back to... You know, what's the situation going to be? Is, is Joshua Williams going to be the main guy in the slot? And sometimes when they're playing a particular team, when the matchup works, Jalen Watson is going to get some of those snaps. That might have been the case yesterday. He had a great game against the Jaguars last year. So maybe that's what it was. Uh, so, it, you know, all of this uncertainty continues with these two guys and um, so, of course, uncertainty is never a bad thing if you're a defensive coordinator and you, the, the offense doesn't know what you're going to do. So maybe that's maybe this is the the way the Chiefs really wanted. It. It's just not what they
2: said. Yeah. Steve Spagnuolo and defensive backs coach Dave Merritt have said that they would like one of these guys to step forward and get the bulk of the snaps. And And two years later, they're still trying to figure it out as to who they like more. And until they do, they're going to continue with this rotation. I think you saw more of that yesterday. I also thought Jalen Watson had a, had a quietly had a nice game mm-hmm. um, with with that open field tackle early on. And when you end up only winning by a score, those things end up sure. mattering. And also too was the the gunner uh, position that he plays when they punted the ball down to what looked like the two yard line. I think it was. Uh, so Watson uh, again didn't play a lot last game but i i think made his presence known in this game and so we will see what the chiefs do uh next game as as it continues (laughs) this two-year-long rotation uh continues to persist uh my uh final marinated takeaway here is more about the upcoming schedule i just think it's funny how we try to predict the season and look i love doing it it's fun the night they release the schedule we get on here we're about four or five contributors john and we say well, what is their record going to look like? But as you start to look at this thing and you start to evaluate what the upcoming schedule looks looks like, it's like, when is the next time the Chiefs are going to play someone over 500? Because they got the Bears next week. They are not. The Jets did not look as good in their second game. When some of that adrenaline runs out after losing your quarterback and you have to face the rest of the season with an already failed quarterback, I feel like, it might end up losing some games. They could be under 500. The Minnesota Vikings are under 500. The Denver Broncos are under 500. Those are two teams that you see over the next couple of weeks. The L.A. Chargers, also under 500. The next time the Chiefs, to me, will face a definite team above 500 is week nine. And when you're facing teams like that, you probably should win all the games. So we'll see if the Chiefs do, but one, two, three, four, five, six games. Their next six games are opponents that should be under 500 by my estimation before they would then face the Miami Dolphins, presumably at seven and one. Of course, that includes three division games, and usually you throw out the record in three division games. I'm probably jinxing something there. Um, but I just think it, it's funny how sometimes we think, that the schedule is going to be a certain way, and then suddenly here you are two weeks in, 10 days into the NFL season, and everything has already changed?
4: Well, uh, I think the important phrase in what you just said was by my estimation, um, because two games in, you can't really tell anything. And you're right. We, We do this every year. We think we know how it's going to play out based on what happened in the previous season, and it never works out that way. There's always teams that did well the previous year that, that suddenly don't do well and vice versa. And two games in, we can't really tell which teams they are. We might have an idea. You know, a team that's 0-2 right now probably is going to be a sub-500 team by the time they play the Chiefs. But we wrote, we really don't have a clear idea of which teams are good and which are bad until we're at least four games into the season. So I'm a little... I'm a little I'm going to be a little more cautious about deciding uh, which games are going to be tough for the Chiefs uh, until we get to at least four weeks into the season. But but you're I'm not I, wrong. You're I, not. I, I you know, you're not wrong. You're 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 going the right way with what we've seen so far.
2: I can say with confidence uh, and maybe I'll regret this when we do our next editor show, John, but the Bears <laughs> seem to be in shambles. Like Yeah, I, they do. I, I, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I think if there's ever a get right opportunity for the Chiefs offense, it's it's this upcoming week against the Bears. But anyway, and that's um, always
4: dangerous to make statements like that, as you know. So <laughs> I know I wonder what.
2: Well, I wonder what their I guess you have the the spread on our side, so We'll get to that next. But uh, what is your final marinade takeaway? Uh, yeah, just to, I want to extend a little bit what I said in my first one,
4: uh, that so much depends on your perspective. Uh, like Obi-Wan Kenobi said, you're going to learn, young Luke, that. Uh, A great deal matters uh, about your point of view. I didn't quote it correctly, but that's the, the idea here. You know, I'm sure that there are Jacksonville fans today who are saying our offense just looked terrible. But here in Kansas City, we're talking about how good our defense was and vice versa. You know, we're saying the offense looked awful, but in Jacksonville, they're saying, oh, man, the defense was terrific yesterday against that great Chiefs offense. So much depends on your point of view about this stuff, but I'll give you uh, an example of what I'm talking about here. We're going to look at statistics. Let me find the, the right the right thing. Oh, I changed this somehow, uh, so I have to do it from memory. The Chiefs and the Jaguars were both about thirty percent on third down, but the Chiefs were perfect on fourth down, while the Jaguars. Mm-hmm were 0-2 on fourth down. And that turned out to be a big point in this game, uh, that the Chiefs were able to convert a couple of fourth downs in this game, one of them on the drive we talked about before that, that gave them their first touchdown in the game. And then the other thing was that the Chiefs were 2-4 and four in the red zone, which is not great, but it's passable. And the Jaguars were 0-3 in the red zone. Now, as Chiefs fans, we're going to look at this and say, well, it's because the Chiefs defense was great. Well, yeah, the Chiefs defense made some plays and important moments that kept the Jaguars from scoring in in a number of circumstances. But it's also true that there were at least three occasions in yesterday's game where Jaguars receivers had their hands on footballs but didn't get their feet in bounds in the end zone. And if any one of those plays had turned out differently, we might looking be looking at an entirely different game. And, uh, and that isn't about the defense. That's about the wide receivers and the quarterbacks and, and you know paying attention to what they're doing. So, so much of this depends on perspective. And I, I'm a little hesitant to say the offense is in real bad shape, as I noted before. Uh, there was that 150-yard drive where they went, got through a whole lot of problems and still managed to put points on the board. And you've got to have a good offense to do that. And I think also that the Jacksonville defense was there to, to play also. And I think they had something to do with uh, what happened with the Chiefs' offense on Sunday.
1: There's a there, This was a real chance to at least get back to even and then, then obviously hopefully take a step forward uh, this coming week. Uh, big step forward for the defense again. Uh, lots to talk about here. Uh, where do you want to start, Ron? Well, shoot. I mean, I, I guess it is important that we talk about Chris Jones. He's
3: back. He was back. He, he he came back into the fold and dominated. Uh, that was so fun to see him him get back at it. And, and you know, honestly, I like how the Chiefs just just let him loose. Um, you know, mm-hmm. they did uh, You know, they 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 did. They obviously. You know, that's something they would do. Maybe if he was, you know, just in full uh, game mode. You know, full game uh, shape. I would say, but on most of his third downs what they did was line him up as an edge rusher over the rookie right tackle who I love Anton Harrison he was a guy I was touting for the Chiefs as their future left tackle in the draft but you know not someone that maybe in his second game of his career sh- uh, would have much of a chance against Chris Jones individually and the Jaguars didn't do much help in terms of chip in in terms of uh and and the Chiefs did a good job of occupying the right guard a lot of times with a with a inside rusher too um and leaving him isolated but but yeah I, I liked how they just said look you know you haven't had much practice. You haven't done much. We're just going to make it simple for you. You're going to play a rookie. You're going to go over a rookie one-on-one, and you're going to beat the crap out of him, and that's what happened, and it was it was really fun to see, Stags. How would you feel uh, seeing Chris Jones back in the fold? Oh,
1: it was awesome, I and mean, I also loved how it opens things up for other guys. I mean, you saw the first sack of the game went to Karloftis uh, and Dana. Is that right? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, Dana, yeah. yeah. Two, two guys split the sack because, because Chris Jones flushed him forward, because right. Chris Jones was living in the backfield, it really opened things up for other guys. You could tell the difference in the pressure; uh, it, it was noticeable. It wasn't just that Chris Jones was getting through; is that he really draws that extra attention and really uh, disrupts the pocket in ways that makes it easier for everybody else to get home. So uh, that was phenomenal to see. It, it wasn't just the the defensive line, though. I thought the linebackers played a really solid game. You got pressure coming from from those uh, linebackers that we hadn't really expected. Uh, or maybe we've been asking for years: Can we get a linebacker that can rush the passer? <laughs> uh, maybe from that Sam position. And uh, Ron, you pointed out: I think we we may have one.
3: Yeah, no, Stags. You have been. We both have been. We've been on this podcast saying the rush linebacker. It'd be just such a fun wrinkle, right? We've, you know, we've we've seen them attempt it with guys over over the years, and and we. We kind of said, it, you know, when they drafted Leo Chanel that he has a chance to do it. Right. We, we saw him up on the line of scrimmage at a little bit at Wisconsin, you know, looking good, taking on blockers uh, at the line of scrimmage and, and, and kind of rushing, you know, using the right technique. And what do you know? We, we kind of unleash him week two. Uh, that was really fun. He uh, he was used a lot. And 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 I guess uh, exactly it. Uh, PFF had him at eight pass rush snaps, but he was used quite a bit, uh, not only just on pass rushes up on the line of scrimmage as that fourth down lineman, technically uh, with only three actual defensive linemen in the game, but they were still using their four man front, obviously with Tranquil and Bolton behind them. And, and Chanel was great in the run game. He was, he was, he had athleticism to get to the sideline, but also be stout um, holding up on the edge. But also man, I I tweeted it out. um, So go check it out. If you haven't seen it, Uh, he just looks natural as a pass rusher, really good job of converting speed to power and, 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 uh, you know bull rushing anton Harrison into the into Trevor Lawrence's lap on one particular play overall he had four pressures and eight snaps stags that's Is that good? that's wild that's Is that good? it was so the third things. most on the team <laughs> and for example Carl had five pre- pressures and 40 snaps and I think we all think he had a pretty good game so uh you stags I don't know how how are you how how you? I mean, like how just overall this linebacker group with Tranquil playing more, you know, because the run defense was good. I think I just mm-hmm. it's exciting this entire defensive front, like the front seven, just in general is just it's yeah. I mean, you, fun.
1: S- you saw two of the top guys get banged up in this game, but both of them were able to come back. But you, when Bolton goes down, when Gay goes yeah. down, you, you start to worry, like oh, what are, what are they going to do? Uh, luckily, neither injury was serious, but this just shows the depth of this group that they didn't miss a beat with Tranquil in there. Uh, he got more snaps than, than the first week, and then yeah, I mean Chanel, If you just look at the box score, four four tackles and a tackle for loss. That's not a bad game for a linebacker, but uh, the pressures is really where he showed up, and and seeing him, you know, round out his game and be that you know sort of indispensable linebacker. We we thought he would have to make a case. He'd have to show improvement. He'd have he'd have to force the coaches to keep him on the field with Tranquil in the mix. And they found a way to use all of those guys and, and all were pretty effective. Nick Bolton, I thought at times was, was fantastic. He had that touchdown saving tackle on Trevor Lawrence's scramble. Uh, he had, you know, some other, uh, other plays where he was showing up all over the field the way he always does. Uh, I mean, this is a, this is a deep, you know, four deep linebacker group like we haven't seen in a long time.
3: Yeah. And it is kind of funny. I, you know, I think Willie Gay is still playing quite a bit, but you know, uh, he's a guy that makes plays. We've seen him make plays in the past game, the run game, and he's the one kind of the quietest right now. And that's, I think that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing, right? I think that tells you this group is, is, is going to, you know, impact the game a lot. Well, you know, you do, you do write winners, losers for arrowheadpride.com on the site. And so we've already talked about a couple of your winners. You had Jones and Karloftis, you know, in, in the fold there, but a couple other guys you had uh, were the receivers. It was nice to see Sky Moore, Kadarius, Tony, on the offensive side of the ball even though it was a struggle and and maybe we can just talk about that in general um that that these guys maybe really were some of the few bright spots in the game uh it was good to see them bounce back both you know tony had that one drive where they got him the ball and, and he made a hu- uh like three really huge plays converting first downs and then sky obviously got the touchdown got his first career regular season touchdown on a back shoulder fade um, and then also had that huge play to seal the game. Kind of got open in, in the scramble drill. Mahomes found him. That was a crazy play by Mahomes, honestly. Uh, yeah. it, it, it for him to to kind of you know floated up there as quickly as he did with a rusher coming on. Um, I don't know who else on your winners list or, or uh, where you where you seeing were you liking and and how would you feel about the receivers?
1: Yeah, I thought it was really critical that those two guys in particular had bounce back games. I and mean, you know it yeah. was the first week was so rough uh for for both of them and they're so important to this team going forward there's no way this offense can be what it should be if both of those guys are complete and total failures in a given year so to see them bounce back to see them catch the ball uh tony was was efficient uh you're right he he, he caught all five of his targets this week um 35 yards total so not not a huge performance uh, statistically but you know, to lead the the team in receptions and to to be that efficient, I thought was was a huge step in the right direction. Uh, he still showed some of the skill set that makes him unique, uh, which is why you want him out there. And Sky Moore, yeah, those two critical plays—the touchdown, uh, you know, which it was a beautifully thrown ball uh, and a well-run route. I mean, that was a uh, that's a real wide receiver play right there. And then the fifty-four yard. Uh, catch to close out that, that final drive or to help close out that on, in a fi- final drive was a little bit of scramble drill, right? I mean, Mahomes was moving. That's not exactly how they drew up that route for, uh, for Sky Moore, but uh, but he made it happen. He found an open spot. Uh, he stayed with his quarterback. I think that's a, those are great, great signs for his development because uh, the spacing was better. They caught the ball. <laughs> they converted when they needed to. I mean, those are all things that you want to see. The offense started off very, very slow, uh, but towards the end of the game, you could see they started to get a little bit of a rhythm. The game ended up seventeen to nine, but it very easily could have been twenty-four to nine. Uh, yeah. They were they were set up to to score on that last drive if they wanted to. They kneeled on it instead. So, you know, this is a team that struggled dramatically in the first half and then still put up, uh, you know, essentially uh, twenty-four points or, or close to it. In the second half, uh, that's that's what you need to see from this group. Uh, hopefully it's uh, the, the second half trend will continue going forward. Well, I'm glad you, you mentioned kind of like the, the change from first to second half, because I think
3: one thing was super noticeable and I actually wrote about it for the site. It's already up. Uh, go check it out. It was the run game and you had Isaiah Pacheco as a as a winner, too. The run game came alive, and it was not because the players all of a sudden, you know, flipped a switch mentally or, or all of a sudden, you know, the running backs became better. No, it was because the coaching staff finally utilized them in, in the ways they needed to be used. Um, I, I I It was so nice to see them, you know, go under center, first play of the second half, uh, first play of the third quarter, under center, counter run. Tooney's pulling, you're down blocking. Noah Gray sets the edge super well, um, strong block by him. Tooney kicks out the cornerback, and boom, you got Pacheco going for 31 yards. We had not seen a gap run like that like all year. I don't think They're, they they might have ran one, and and I think yeah, I think Tooney or someone got tripped up on their one attempt at running one in week one. They just are so vanilla in their run game, and it's why it hasn't been effective boom, what do you know as soon as they run and effect you know a, a, they execute a counter run a gap run where guys are just all they're focused on doing is, is is kicking someone's butt and then one guy's pulling and and as long and they have the guards to do it right here's another play from the second half one back power Trey Smith is pulling leading Pacheco into the hole great job by Trey Smith finding the linebacker and powerfully latching onto him and he sets the edge for a 10 plus yard run it it it's just this offensive line clearly, and you know, I, I this is where maybe I need to to hand up and say I, I I could be wrong about something. This offensive line still is better at the at the gap run stuff than zones. I thought maybe with these new offensive tackles, with their uh, you know upgrading athleticism overall, they might be better at the outside zone stuff and and maybe they execute more on those, but. Donovan Smith is, is is does not have that same strong inside shoulder as Orlando Brown does, and, and create and gets a lot of penetration on the backside of those zone runs when they try to run to the right. But they also can't run to the left because he's not very strong at the point of attack either, and setting that edge. You need someone to really take force of that defensive end uh, on the front of that zone run, and 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 take control and 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 let the play happen. And he's not necessarily doing that either, like Brown could. And so I I hand up I and Taylor, you know, he just has his struggles overall, unfortunately, as a run blocker. His pass protection has been has been excellent so far for the most part. and We'll get to that. Uh, But again, I just I I think this team needs to understand that their best, you know, utilizing their offensive line is pulling them down runs. ISO you know, downhill runs, you know, pulling guys like Gray and Blake Bell because they're going to have him on the field anyway. You might as well use him blocking and, and pulling and being a fullback. All that to say, Stags is it was encouraging
5: to see the run game in
3: the second half kind of a turn a page, maybe.
5: Right then, should we crack on with the Bears at the Chiefs? Uh, Chiefs back at home, Arrowhead Stadium. I think the first thing we've got to say about about the Bears here, the expectation from the Chiefs here is huge. I think there's something like 13.5 points favorites or something against the Bears in this. Um, and it's it's clear. I mean, the Bears have had troubles ever since last season. Last season, they were dreadful,
1: mm-hmm. uh, and
5: the, the the past two games that they've had previous, you know, the first two weeks that they've had, they've lost against the Packers and they lost against the Bucks, yeah, uh, quite convincingly as well. Um, yeah. So there's issues there with the Bears, isn't there?
6: Yeah, multiple issues. Like the, the Bears have always been a team that you think about. Ah, oh, the Bears—they're good on defense. <laughs> it doesn't really matter they've always been a team that you ever since i've started watching the sport i can't i cannot remember a time when the bears had like a really exciting offense ever yeah. like even when like they had devin hester but devin hester was a, a punt returner that's when a kick was in, that's what he was good at like their <laughs> super bowl team which lost to the colts they had rex grossman at quarterback which was just gross and even yeah. like the team that matt Nagy had They weren't very good on offense. They had Mitch Trubisky, but they weren't very good. Like, when was the last time that the Bears had, like, a great offense? It's probably the most exciting the Bears offense has ever been right now because Justin Fields is box office one way or another. Oh, yeah. He is box office. He's so entertaining to watch. He's not a boring quarterback. But it doesn't mean he's any good, by the way. (laughs) It doesn't mean he's any good. He might be fun to watch, but I don't think he's that great a quarterback. But, um, yeah, just the Bears are just... A funny old team because you think, oh, yeah, the Bears, the Bears, defense is going to be great. Yeah, the Bears, defense is going to be great. But even that's crap right now. Like literally yeah. nothing is working for the Bears. And like they've faced two teams that you look at on paper, Jordan Love and the Packers and Baker Mayfield and the Bucks, And they've conceded like, what is it, 75 points or something yeah. stupid like that in two games.
5: Ridiculous, isn't it? it Against it's all two just... Quarterbacks.
6: Yeah, those two quarterbacks. And we're rolling in there in an an afternoon game in our head where it's a slot the Chiefs do particularly do quite well in with Patrick Mahomes looking for his get-right game after he's come off two performances where he's only scored like less than 40 points himself. Thinking, right, who's our next opponent? Who's going to be our cannon fodder for us to get right against? And right now you're looking at this Bears team and thinking, well, they look tasty you know Man. like there who's our next victim oh look it's the chicago bears <laughs> that gave up 27 <laughs> points to baker mayfield and 38 points to jordan love and the packers like the chiefs must be looking at this matchup and thinking right there is our get right game it Absolutely. has to be this it has to be the bears because the bears suck the bears <laughs> the bears, the bears. Yeah, uh,
5: but it's funny you mentioned the, the defense. I mean, they've they've clearly recognised, haven't they, over the, since last year that they really needed to solve the defensive problem that they've got. Because I mean, if you look what they did in the draft, seven defensive players in that draft alone, seven. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's it, it's insane. I've never I've never seen a draft a draft so top heavy with just one side of the ball. Yeah. Um but seven defensive players. I mean, that's that, that's un, un, unheard. Of. I don't think you know. I'm sure that. And un- they
6: traded their best player anyway. Right yeah, there, they traded into the Braves. <laughs> just, just I don't. Really? I don't know. I just this team's broken, man. Um, it is
5: broken, and it, and I don't know how long their head coach. Um, what's his name? Uh, Matt uh, Eberfluss, is it? Eberfluss? Yeah. Eberfluss, yeah. You know he's he's thirteen and six no it's three and sixteen sorry he's three and sixteen now in his second year as being the head coach and I, I mean there's only going to be a certain amount of time before they go Do you know what it's, not, it's just not working this I mean yeah. you, if you if you've tried plugging the gaps that you needed in obviously in the defensive side with a draft heavy you know defense or defense that was draft heavy. Um, and you've tried plugging in a few veterans in there as well. There's about five defensive veterans, I think, out of all of those that were added to it. You know, Mm -hmm. there's clearly issues to it. I mean, they have brought in some players. DJ Moore is obviously one of those players that they're looking at that's really going to kind of hopefully spark their season to life. But when you've got fields running around, not having time on the ball, that O-line is dreadful. Just having him scrambling around, just trying to make something. I feel for that. I really do feel for for Fields. I really do because I think he's in a really difficult situation. Um, he hasn't got the help that he needs, especially like I said on the O line, um, and the defense isn't going to get him out of a rut either. So it's he, really
6: the- odd because Evans is like renowned as a defensive guy. Yeah, he was the Colts defensive coordinator for three or four years before getting the job. Now, obviously, it was a Ryan Ballard pick. He's uh, like Ryan. <laughs> Ryan Ballard, It's probably a Ryan Ballard like uh, holes, beach conversation talking about him to get him into the, into the job that he was in. But I just don't understand the Bears and what they're trying to do. Like you have this quarterback that is clearly athletic, but you don't want to design the game in that way. It's like, you know, when they're trying to make him drop back and pass when he shouldn't be doing that. It was like the, the, the Ravens when Lamar first come out. Lamar obviously has his problems with some passes. And I think it's been well documented. I think he's a lot better than he was. But obviously, Lamar Jackson's primary strengths when he first come out as a Ravens star was running a football. So what did the Ravens do? They lent into that heavily they invested in the offensive line they got complementary running backs and they built a run game around Lamar and his strengths the Bears haven't done that they've just kind of ignored all of those positions they haven't invested heavily in the offensive line they haven't really gone out and gone, got a, a really complimentary running back but what have they done oh they've gone and got Chase Claypool and DJ Moore yeah receivers. He
5: can't throw to anywhere cuz He can't throw to him. You, you you, throw to him. him. <laughs> it's
6: just it just make me laugh. like DJ Moore is an outstanding wide receiver and he's far too good to be at the Bears. Um he I'd love him at the Chiefs to be honest, but they just haven't got the ability to protect Justin Fields. They can not uh-huh. The Bears went uh, the Bucks went mad against the Bears on Sunday. And inevitably it led to an, a mistake from Justin Fields when he threw a pass directly to Shaq Barrett, who was standing two yards from the end zone. He literally just walked into the end zone for his pick six. It's just, it, it's, it must be infuriating being a Bears fan because you're, you're seeing it like the teams like the Lions who who have built slowly, obviously they've sucked for a lot of years, but they've built slowly and they're doing it the right way. And they're doing it in a sustainable way. So the bet should get better and better and better as their as the Dan Campbell tenure goes on. They've, they've, they've got a bit of stability there, but the bears just look like from year to year, you don't know what you're going to get that, that one great year with Matt Nagy that ended in the, obviously I can't remember what, with Kyra Santos, wasn't it? The Mr. Kick. Yeah. I think it was the Mr. Kick. Yeah. Santos missed kick, which obviously sent them home. Um, the players, but in a game that they should have won but ever since then it's just been crap after crap after crap after crap and it must really really be bad being a Bears fan it's similar to what we had I suppose in the dark ages of Chiefs fans where you kind of like you have some good players but you don't really have the coaching you don't really have the GM you don't really have the defensive pieces in there to have a run at have a run at anything the, the, the bears will suck for a long time until there's a big substantial change i think at coaching and probably at gm they are they are destined to be cracked for a number of years as it stands
5: well the bears have had one winning season since 2013 um, and one, one and that was 12 and 4 in 2013. yeah the the year that, that coach? Nagy was yeah matt Blum and Nagy. yeah just <laughs>
6: Oh, and, he just...
5: and he wouldn't coach of the
6: year that year. Yeah, but they were very good. They their def- Again, their defence that year was outstanding. I think yeah. that was the year that Khalil Mack went absolutely mad. And um, they, they were brilliant defensively, but sucked offensively. And that was their downfall. But they still continued to suck downfall. Yes, Justin Fields um, continued to suck offensively since. Yes, Justin Fields, he's so much fun to watch. I could watch him play because I just enjoy watching him like go crazy with his runs. But they're not designed runs, they're panic runs. <laughs> like, it just I just don't get it. It's just such an odd team to watch. And it's like because I did watch the highlights of their game against the Bucks. I caught bits of it on Sunday. And before we got on, I watched the the highlights, and it's just you're thinking, like, right, who 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 can excite me from the Bears? And it is literally just Justin Fields and DJ Moore. That is that it. Can wind up toys, they, although up they excite them. me, they excite me. They don't scare me though. <laughs> like, nothing about this team scares me, and it's like it is. They just excite me a little bit.
5: So they excite you because of Justin Fields running around like it, he's
6: running for his life. Yeah. And but, the Chiefs have done traditionally very well against running quarterbacks. Yeah. Spags has normally got that number. And so I'm not worried about... I, this probably is the most cocksure I'll be about a result the entire season.
5: <laughs> Why? Because they're at the bottom of your power rankings. Is that what? you're Yeah, they, are, honestly, they're so They are
6: bad. They are so, so, so bad. They are bad. And, and, and we just, I want to beat the the them at our head results. because... It's... Do you remember last time there at Arrowhead? That's the game that jo- uh, Jamal Charles done his ACL.
5: Oh, do you have to bring that up, man?
6: Yeah, 2015. You know I, you know I love Jamal Charles. That was, it was against the Bears that happened last time they come to Arrowhead.
5: Oh, that was horrible. Yeah. Was that 2015? It was, yeah. Yeah, no, it's bad memories, that, mate. Same,
6: the same year the Chiefs played uh, in the national game last. Well, Europe in Europe, anyway.
5: Do you know, I was really looking forward to seeing Jamal Charles play right in front of my very eyes yeah. league, and I never got a chance. Yeah. That was, that was heartbreaking for me, that. Yeah.
6: But anyway, enough about me. <laughs> <laughs>
5: uh, right. Okay. Um, what about predictions?
6: The Chiefs are going to get back on track this week. Yeah. Um, I kind of hope that the Chiefs get on track and then like force the issue a little bit, because we've seen in the past where the Chiefs get ahead and they kind of like, go into this conservatism and like, you know, just like, oh, run, 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 right, draw the clock. I kind of hope if the Chiefs get hot, they kind of ride it out a little bit and just keep like keep pushing the envelope. Like past to Justin Ross, past to Sky Moore, past to Tony, keep keep these wide receivers, get a little bit of confidence. At the end of the day, Last two weeks have been a disaster offensively. Treat this as an additional training camp if you do get a big lead. Keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. So yeah, don't do give it a,
5: don't treat it like a mercy rule.
6: Don't do yeah, that. Exactly. Just just keep scoring. So yeah. I do think the Chiefs put up 40 points this weekend. I do think 40. 40 points. Nice. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say 41 13 to the Chiefs.
5: Wow. Generous to the Bears there.
6: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
5: You're going soft in your old age, Tom. Yeah. Uh, I've gone Chiefs 38, and I've actually changed my prediction for the Bears. I actually put down seven, thinking they were going to get a touchdown, and I'm going to go six. Wow. So, uh, yeah, two field goals. I think, I I don't think the Bears get anywhere near the end zone for the Chiefs. Um, So 38 6 for me.
8: Stop it. Stop it. You can't do this. You can't escape. You can't make these plays. You can't make these
0: throws. Come on, give us a sneak preview. Chiefs Preview.
8: Rolling merrily along here on episode six, Chiefs Coast to Coast, Mark Dunnels and Aaron Ladd taking you through our week three preview, Chiefs and Bears from GHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium. It is a 325 kick, 305. It's in in the afternoon window. 325 your time. 325, wonderful. Let's talk about the injuries here because what a lengthy injury list it was for the Chiefs here on Wednesday, first day of practice for the defending champs. And five key players did not participate. Nick Bolton is dealing with an ankle injury as is linebacker Willie Gay, who was out with a quad. Richie James seems to be the most serious injury of the group head coach andy reed says he was dealing with an mcl injury which is a knee ligament did not practice and sounds like it's going to be a while before he contributes to kansas city once again isaiah pacheco didn't practice with a hamstring injury he was out there i posted some video on x of him taking some mental reps behind the guys there so there's little things that you look for when you're out there right if a guy's injured but is there that's usually a better sign than a guy who's injured but maybe not there behind the scenes, rehabbing, that kind of thing. Wouldn't be shocked if Pacheco returned to practice at some point and then played this Sunday. Kadarius Tony dealing with a toe injury. Did not participate on Wednesday. Legereus knee, the lone limited participant with the knee that we know will be bothering him all year long. Long injury list there, so I'll give it again. Bolton, Gay, James, Pacheco, and Tony do not practice on Wednesday Mark, out of those names, and we'll stick with the Chiefs for now before going over to the Chicago chaos and everything they had going on on Wednesday, which name worries you the most headed into game day?
9: For this particular matchup, I'll probably say Willie Gay. And the reason I say that is because you're going against a quarterback in Justin Fields who is probably the most athletic with the ball in his hands, uh, best runner of the football at the quarterback position. And I think Willie Gay is the most athletic linebacker you have and you're talking about potentially spying him and things of that nature. I think Willie Gay does cause a is a big cog in that. So I think for this matchup particular, I think it's Willie Gay. I think you'll be able to survive offensively, whether uh, Tony plays or not. I know Richie James will be out, but I still think with Kelsey back in the lineup in the second second game, you'll be fine against a pretty bad Bears defense. But uh, I think the biggest worry for me is and his legs, which is why I would say Willie Gay.
8: A big injury coming out of the Chicago Bears world as well. It's left tackle Braxton Jones being placed on injured reserve with a neck injury. That's their starting left tackle that's going to miss the next four games for Chicago, and that's just the tip of the iceberg in Chicagoland on Wednesday. Defensive coordinator Allen Williams resigned, saying he needed to tend to himself and his family. Uh, The statement reads, I am taking a step back to care for my health and family. I appreciate the opportunity to work with the Chicago Bears, a storied NFL franchise. He missed last week's game, week two's game against Tampa Bay, uh, dealing with some personal reasons and uh, has officially taken a step back from the team. There's that. There's the Braxton Jones thing. And then, oh, yeah starting quarterback Justin Fields kind of having to clarify some statements from the podium on Wednesday, was asked maybe some things that could get better, alluded to maybe some miscommunications with the coaching staff. Look, man, this is already an 0-2 team. It seems like there are fires on each floor of that building. (laughs) In the coaching, in the the quarterback room, this is a desperate team that is looking for a win to galvanize the troops. Don't give them any opportunity, essentially, is what I have to say for the Kansas City Chiefs. If it's ugly, that doesn't matter. Do not give this Bears team anything to rally around on Sunday at home.
9: Yeah. Um, the thing about matchups like this and the Chiefs are opening up as of today, which is Wednesday, they're 12 and a half point favorites, Aaron. 12 and a half. The biggest line of the weekend, biggest line of this young season thus far, I believe. Um, The thing about these type of matchups is you're going to face the most desperate team ever. Has nothing to lose, which can be scary at times because we, you know, she's we're used to teams being aggressive and going forward on fourth down and fake punts. But this is like times 10. Like they literally have nothing to lose. So I think all the tricks are going to be pulled out the bag in this one. The Chiefs are going to have to be on high alert. But like you said, I think getting out to a quick start is essential in this game because you could maybe psychologically just kill this team. Uh, with all the distractions they have going on this week, uh, with the Justin Fields thing, Like that's not good with him and the coaching staff. I'm sure that didn't go over too well behind closed doors. So I, I do think they're a distracted bunch. They're 0-2 now you're going on the road to face the defending super bowl champions i mean there has to be a lot of doubt in their minds i mean i know they'll never say it to the media they'll be like we're going and expecting to win this game but the crap there's no way that this locker room truly believes in their heart of hearts that they are winning this game so if you can get on them early that doubt just continues to grow and grow and grow And this thing can get out of hand.
8: A lot of daggers have been turned on Justin Fields. This is the guy that I wanted the Falcons to take out of the draft. Georgia boy had an opportunity there to take him high. And really, there's been a lot of theories this week. And I know there's one screenshot that's floating around that a lot of people have pointed out. And just kind of him thinking too much, not being the same player that we saw at Ohio State at times. And kind of some of the frustrations that are coming out of Chicago land. I asked Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes what his advice would be to Justin Fields. You know, not going into this game, obviously, but just at a grand scheme. Black quarterbacks, quarterbacks in general in the fraternity talking to one another. This is what Mahomes said to that question today from the podium.
9: Trust your talent. Trust your instincts. Uh, He's here for a reason. Um, He's made a lot of big plays happen in the NFL and and, in college, wherever he's been. So just trust in your instincts. Um, and then go out there and be the player that you've always been, just not against us, hopefully.
8: (laughs) I don't think that he's going to be that player. And I know one of the theories I heard specifically, I'll bring this on, Mike, is that, you know, the new Bears coaching staff is trying to make Justin Fields something that he's not, which is a pocket passer. We think Justin Fields, we think dynamic plays on the outside, making plays with his legs. Andy Reid even called him today quite possibly the fastest player on the field when these two teams match up. I think the 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 I mean if you're trying to if you're trying to limit what this Bears offense can be keep fields in between the tackles essentially which has been the game plan. I think Kansas City can have big success with that on Sunday if they do that.
9: Yeah. I mean, through two games, Aaron, the Bears have allowed 10 sacks.
8: Hmm.
9: 10 sacks. And now you're without your starting left tackle. Can I introduce you to Chris Jones on third and long when he lines up on the edge like he did in Jacksonville? So I I think this could be a big game. I think this could be a a two-sack game from Chris Jones. You're talking maybe four or five sacks total. I I really think that they're going to be able to get after it. I mean, you already went against two that should be elite offenses this year that were good last year in the Lions and the Jaguars. Now you're going against the Chicago Bears, where it seems like every single day on my timeline, I see a clip of Justin Fields ignoring open receivers down the field or him running into his own offensive alignment? Like, I've never seen a, a team or offense get so overanalyzed that is so bad than the Chicago Bears offense through two weeks. I mean, I can't get away from it. You would think I follow the Chicago Bears media team, and I don't. But they're always on my timeline. So there's no reason why this Chiefs defense shouldn't continue to feast with uh, the Bears coming into town.
7: we get out of here ron on this just one quick point on the mahomes thing (laughs) hey that contract that he signed earlier this week remember Mm -hmm. when we used to always talk about hey mahomes left some on the table he's taking less he's doing the thing that no no he's getting his
10: patrick mahomes
7: is not taking less he one of the best decisions he's ever made in his career was gave the appearance of taking less By signing a 10-year deal so at any point in time the Chiefs can move money around. It makes it possible for the team and for the player to renegotiate at any time. And what he did quietly earlier this week was renegotiate his contract in a way where he is now the highest paid player in the history of the NFL. That's what he did. Now, it doesn't look that way because he's still got the same deal in place. But the money, the cash flow, yeah, the, the way money that effectively works, it effectively yeah. works, he's going to be the highest paid player in the history of the league. And so... When you're looking at the Chris Jones situation,
10: just and remember he ain't, that, and he ain't stupid. Remember he, that uh, he said he. I'm not. Pat's not the only one getting his, and I'm gonna get his. And he gonna put like Chris Jones is playing like he gonna put a season together where they where y'all gonna be like, so y'all really gonna let him ride? The only guy who is truly taking less to stay is Travis Kelsey. He's yep. the only one, and he gets Taylor. All right. That's <laughs> a hell of a trade-off, to be honest with you. <laughs> we all know, like, right? We are clear that nobody needs this to work more than Brittany. Like, Brittany, <laughs> Brittany Mahomes wants, wants that friendship, right? Remember the last girlfriend, they got tight. Let Taylor get in a fold. She is, she, I mean, she is, she's probably going over things with Travis. This is probably what she likes. (laughs) Because if Brittany could get that friendship. Imagine the clothing line they'd come up with
8: together. Britt, Britt,
10: Britt, 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 and Tay Tay. Oh my God, man. (laughs) That's what she is. She is waiting for this. I mean, I bet you, I bet you, Travis, She just. she's text Travis. How's it going? What are we thinking here? Mm, You wearing that? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, uh, sorry. all right, when the Chiefs have the ball, we do this every week. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. As much as, as as we talked about Chris Jones and we were impressed with him, I'm going to be co- completely honest with you. Um, I'm having a hard time being patient with this offense. Uh, these, um, This is – and I'm clearly coming to the table with the fact that I am – spoiled by what the hell we've been able to watch over the past several years and not just spoiled but i know what a good offense looks like and what an offense needs to look like for this team to win for the most part and they're not even playing like alex smith offenses at this point right and it's it is so frustrating i have watched the first half from the jacksonville game three times Three times, and it is Thursday, and we're recording this. I've watched it three times. That first half was the most disjointed, uh, the worst I've seen in the Andy Mahomes era. That I mean, they just couldn't. They couldn't do anything. They they couldn't run the ball. They didn't refuse to. Like forgot to. They ran it for four yards on the first play, and I don't know the next time they did. And everyone looked off can't complete it I mean it was just penalties up and down the thing it was just so bad now they found something at the end of the half and then they found something with more ball control but like the big play stuff forget about it the like it just they look like they are struggling and I know that we need to be patient with this wide receiver group and I know we need to be patient and understand that Travis is not 100 percent yet we have to be patient with two tackles and we talked about all the questions that they have but i need to see a healthy step this week fellas i i, I gotta see something like something where it's like okay all right now i feel i feel better because at 17 that was just a fight to try to get to it So I would be talking very differently
7: this week. Like, it's not about how long it's been so far in the season, but it's about the opponent for me. Like, if they were playing at New York this week and then at home against Chicago next week, I would still have a week of patience because the Jets' defense is excellent. And them holding the Chiefs to, you know, 20, 24 points, that wouldn't be surprising, nor would it be alarming. Getting held to 20, 24 points against this Bears' defense... Having your passing offense struggle against them, that is a problem. Here's what we've seen so far against the Chicago Bears. The Green Bay Packers completed 15 passes for 245 yards with Jordan Love at quarterback, and their leading pass catchers that day were Aaron Jones, Luke Musgrave, Jaden Reed, and Romeo Dobbs. The casual sports fan doesn't know who three of those four names are that I just read off, and they absolutely shredded them through the air. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, With Baker Mayfield at quarterback, just threw for 315 yards and nearly 10 yards per attempt against this Bears defense last week. I don't care who your wide receivers are. I don't care who your quarterback is. If they are competent, and I just mean competent, they should have a field day against this Chicago Bears defense. So this is one of those games where you should be able to go out there and kind of have your way. You don't need to be as dominant as you were in, you know, 2018, 2019. You don't have to be that team again, but you got to be pretty darn good. We should see some signs of, okay, things are starting to come together when you're going to go up against this porous of a defense.
0: I see it kind of from both sides though. Like this is the best matchup you could possibly have for a struggling offense for the Kansas city chiefs. Like, I don't think there's a better matchup you could have in the NFL. They have no pass rush. Their secondary looks like it is one of the absolute worst secondaries in all of football. But then we've seen this chiefs team play down the competition over and over and over again. And so it still makes me hesitant. Like, are they just going to, are they going to shoot themselves in the foot? Is there going to be lazy mistakes? And the the chiefs got a long injury report this week. Is that going to cause some issues in special teams or other small areas like that? Like, I'm so questionable about all of it, but I still think like they could do all of that. And this bears defense is so bad. They could turn the football over three times and still win by 21 points. Like that. That's how bad this bears defense is. So if they don't do it against this team and I totally agree with BK next week against the jets, that's a different ball game. That defense is spectacular. That defense is special. If you don't do it against this team, even if you have a bad game and you're falling flat, Patrick Mahomes should make this look easy. His pass catchers should make this look easy, and they should dominate. So I'm going to feel pretty bad coming out of this game if the offense puts up like 21 points and has three or four turnovers, and they just don't look very efficient at all.
10: I, I, listen, I just, I just need, I just need a healthy step. <laughs> That's it. Like I, I'm trying to be patient. I really am, but this is, like, this is a right. Am I, am I off? Like. The, the chiefs offenses we know would put 35 on this team in three quarters. Like, and, and I mean, it wouldn't, and I'm not, I'm not even talking about the Tyreek led ones. I mean, last year, they put 35 on this team. Like it was nothing. And man, I, it, it, it is hard to see this offense. What we've seen the first two weeks put three on anybody. I mean, anything start with a three right on anybody. And but they they got to like I I mean I understand it's a long thing, but I like I'd be like hey man they, they, like this team gonna win a Super Bowl <laughs> like if they if this is if this I know it's early but like like God boy they like I don't want to feel like hey man they got week ten is when it's gonna really pop they got those kind of steps to take like to me I want to see and it's that's the other thing it's like the big play ability like the chunk play ability. That I definitely want to see more of that. I remember crossing my fingers that Justin Watson could catch one of these balls down the field. And then, like, the chunk 20-plus yard plays, which they used to get at will. Like, I want to see some movement on that because we haven't been seeing that.
7: Remember in 21, Ron, the Chiefs had that really weird middle portion of the season. They struggled against Tennessee, ended up losing that game, scored all of three points in it. And then you they struggle did. against the Giants. You struggled offensively against – um, at the time, that was one of the first times that we had seen him. But uh, the Jordan Love-led Green Bay Packers offense, he win 13-7. to And we're all sitting here kind of wondering, like, is this offense going to get it back on track? And if it is, it better happen against the Raiders because this is the kind of defense that they typically are able to get right against. And they did. That was the game where they just went absolutely crazy offensively. Ended up putting up 41 points. Mahomes throws for 400 everything's fixed we're all good right that's what this should be that's the kind of game that you should have against this kind of a bears defense they should be your slump buster the way that the raiders were in 21
0: yeah I you hope so can you name anyone on the bears defensive line besides yannick and Gakwe? man um i don't know <laughs> you don't need to you don't need to know who any of them are that's the no. point that's how bad their defensive line is
7: can i be honest until you just said it, I forgot the Yannick Ngakwe was on the Bears' defensive line. Yeah, I don't that, that's care. where
10: we're at. I don't care too. Uh I like Brisker, um, but he's in the second. <laughs> he's the only
0: guy there. Second, Eddie Jackson's not even healthy. He hasn't yeah. even. No, been
10: no, uh, what's his name? Jo- Johnson, uh, the corner. Jalen's not bad. Jalen's not bad. Uh, but but no nah, man. I don't. I don't. I don't care. I just like for that team. But like with that team, I remember that. Like that team, I was still never really. I was still not really worried because they've got Tyreek. They had Kelsey. They had that offensive line. Like, you just knew, like, you ain't going to hold them down. This this crew here, man, you just – hell, you don't know. Like, you don't know. And I don't know. But I, I think I think one thing, it's almost some build on things, right, from that, this past week. That's why I'm saying healthy steps, right? I think Pacheco is someone to build on. Like what he did get him the ball in the second half. And I will be damned if we're gonna go short yardage and get all creative again after that just kept working. Can we can we do that? Can we do that? Shout out to my guy Rocky. He runs angry. Huh. Yeah, shout out to him. Yeah. Give him the give him the ball in short yardage. But there there's a build there in the run game where let's just not start this sucker, you know, um, you know, in the second half. Like let's build upon Pacheco and give him the ball in the run game. Let's hope he's as healthy as he can be in that game. And then
3: Sky Moore.
10: Uh Sky Moore had a big game, as we talked about at the start of the show. But we but like okay, let's let's not just make that a one. Like let's let's continue. Like if if Kadarius Tony plays the little the little moments he had, you got to see him in his strong suit. Let's see, let's build off of what those guys did. Like that hey, is that is that is that the best way to get in the ball? That back shoulder throw, or that, is that something they're going to they're going to do more of? Because that looked really fluid and good, but they just need to build off of some of these parts offensively. I think part of what we saw
7: last week is they just picked who their wide receivers were. Like they, I know when you look at the box score and you see the way that they distributed the ball around, it looks like they were just playing everybody, right? But that wasn't really the case. I mean, you look at the snap sh- shares for last week. Marquez Valdez scantling played 42 of the 48 snaps. You had Sky Moore out there for 33 of them. Justin Watson was actually their number 3 wide receiver last week with 28 snaps. And then after that, you've got to go all the way down to Kadarius Tony who played 15 snaps last week. He was barely on the field. Got five receptions on those 15 snaps, but was barely out there. Rasheed Rice only played 7 snaps, man. Richie James, 3. Like you're just you're not getting these other wide receivers on the field as often. And I think that was an important step for them, because in week one, I think they were almost cycling through too many of these guys. They were trying to get too much of a rotation going, and nobody was able to get in a rhythm as a result of that. I think last week you saw Sky start to get into a little bit of a rhythm, but we've seen that before, whether it's with him or other guys where you can have a one-off. Every wide receiver that is capable can go out there and have one game where you look really good. Now it's time for Sky to be able to put up back-to-back games. Do it against a poor opponent. I don't care what the competition is at this point. Just go out there and get yourself another 60-yard game. Just go be really – four catches, 60 yards, maybe you get a touchdown again. Like That would be a really nice way for Sky Moore to
0: build on what we saw a week ago. I totally agree with that because I think it's fun when you're like, yeah, they've got seven wide receivers, all these guys that could possibly be different playmakers. And like, yeah, but – that that's fun until there's nobody that Patrick Mahomes can go to when Travis Kelsey's saw on the field. Like we saw in week one, there's nobody that's in a rhythm. There's nobody that can just watch the play break down and be like, I got you Pat, the way that Travis Kelsey does the way that Tyreek Hill used to. And you build up that chemistry through reps, through live game action, where guys are actually trying to take your head off. And them distributing the snaps the way they did in week one compared to last week. Like that's what you want to see. You want to see guys command to be on the field. And you know, I, I, I still believe that sky could could be a significant contributor. I want to see more out of that from him, but if he's not, then let's see Rasheed rice. Rasheed rice has shown that, he can be he can be effective in, in kind of a simple way when he's deployed the same way that Kadarius Tony can. He's a big yak guy. He he is and he's explosive and he's shown some ability there. So like I want to see those guys. I still want to see if Justin Ross can turn into anything. But they need guys who deserve to be on the field and guys who can go out and make plays. And we haven't seen any of that really yet.
10: And, and that goes into a part of what we talked about before the patience if, of finding out the. The combinations, right? They just got – and we've said this. I think they're clearly – I think they're more talented and obviously more experienced than last year's receiving core. It's now finding out who it is that it's going to be. And kind of sneaking this in, too, before we go to when the Jags had the ball. Today, Travis said he feels 100% and is not even thinking about the knee. All right. Like, you could clearly see he wasn't himself. And, by the way, man, hey, man, I hope he lets that damn – Stash thing go. I mean, he does. He's play, he looks angry. He's playing the way Deshaun Watson looks. Like, so I, 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 I I'm just saying Deshaun looks angry. I just like, he just, like, yeah, he looks like not. he's not happy. Like, he looks, he's just not happy playing. That's the way Travis, okay. That's the way Travis looked in, in, in Sunday's game, just angry, uh, the whole way. I hope to see the joy out of Travis and shave that stupid mustache off. That's not working, and Taylor doesn't like it. So, <laughs> Shave that thing off. So, but it'd be, it'd be nice to see what he, uh, if he's feeling better and he can be a big part of this.